When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook him up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Friday on the Horn. Friday on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. That makes it what, Rod? Hey, freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it. Ric Flair, woo! Football Friday edition of Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. That's right. Indeed. Indeed. All right, so we've got uh, a lot of Longhorns on the brain. And, uh, yeah, this text that we alluded to before the top uh, of the hour there from 7 into the 8 o'clock hour, third of our five. Uh, says, guys, UT has always stepped on BYU. Remember 41-7 and 21-14. BYU holds a 4-1 record over Texas. First played in 1987. So, that's true. That's, yeah, that's look, we, we can – I don't think anybody's underrating anybody. The Longhorns were a 20-point favorite last week and underperformed and wound up winning by seven. You give Houston credit for – and having some extra time throwing in a new defense and mm-hmm. uh, Texas playing down to that. It's and, game, uh, you know, and their their quarterback played well. Donovan, pretty much pretty clear Donovan Smith loves playing against Pete Kwiatkowski defenses. <laughs> yes. He's played twice. He's thrown for like 700 yards. That was the second most passing yards versus a Texas-coordinated PK defense since he's been here. Well, and the problem for Texas <laughs> is that uh, everything – like Because we did the same thing last week. We talked about Houston as a three-touchdown underdog. How and could they, they stay in the game? The worst defense in the Big 12, potentially. Right? And, you know, everything we talked about, they, they made a good adjustment. Man, this is where you, you play an opponent – and Dana Holgerson admitted, man, if we continue to play this defense we've been playing all year, we're going to get smoked. Yep. Uh, we should be a three-touchdown underdog. Uh, so they went to a new defense. And Texas had to adjust to that pretty quickly. Uh, you know, same thing. And then Donovan Smith got going, and the Longhorns couldn't get to him. And uh, the receiving core was their strength, and they attacked Texas with their receiving core uh, over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, again, when you look at BYU, it's not underselling them. It's just looking for where they're strong. Uh, you, even Houston, you could look at it and say they got some dudes at receiver. Yep. They got a quarterback that's six five and two forty that can really throw it and gets hot. If he gets hot, he's streaky. But if he gets on a heat on a on a heater, you can be in trouble. Uh, and that's exactly what happened for Texas. They found a way to win the game. Their quarterback got hurt. They still won it. So it doesn't mean this game can't be a dogfight tomorrow. It's just we're looking for BYU. You watched BYU games now. I saw them against Arkansas. I saw them play against Kansas. I watched him against TCU, and I've just not been super impressed with him. I just don't see much that is dynamic about that football team. Uh, yeah, but I will say this. Uh, most teams play their, some of their best football against Texas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right that's part of the, uh, having the X on the chest. That, that X in the Texas, sometimes it can, it can be a bullseye. Right? Teams are coming at you. Uh, we also know that because of the, the sentimental – uh, like factor because of familiarity with the coaches. Sarkis obviously played at BYU. That's his alma mater. But then the coaches coached together. So, man, it's, it's personal. 
All right, is it fair to say that it's personal in this game, personal for Sark, personal for BYU too? Um, in contests like that, it almost reminds you of a little bit of the rivalry games when it gets really personal like that. And that's why I expect BYU to come in throwing a bit of a curveball. We know four of Texas opponents so far this season have given them a look on game day that they did not show on film. And and what do I, what do I always say about winning big games, right? And rivalry games are big games. To so win a big game, you got to break tendency. You got to break tendency. You got to find a way to do it. And for for Texas, they got to understand when they play Rice and they play Wyoming and they play U of H. That's their big game, right? You're their Alabama. Not saying Texas is as good as Alabama or anything this year. In terms of the brand, though. In terms of the brand, yeah, it's going to bring – look at that that U of H crowd when Texas came to town. I mean, it was hype. It was not that hype for a better game, actually, when they played against West Virginia for them. But the point is, if you're Texas, you got to be ready for that. Teams are going to break tendency. They've been putting in extra planning and preparation, something you also do for big games, right? You plan for big games in the offseason. You don't think Sark was planning for Bama and prepping for Bama in the offseason? You're crazy. That's the reason they look so well prepared. It's the reason they look so well organized and well coached in that game. They had been working on that game plan for months, right? Months. But that ain't real football. Since January. Since January. Probably before that, eh? All right? So, but that ain't real football. Real football is a week-to-week situation. It is a week-to-week equation that you have to solve. You got injuries coming up. They got their fat little girlfriends, as the great, uh, late, great Mike Leach would say. They got NIL stuff they got to worry about. You got to come up with a game plan. You can't cheat last week and work on last week's game plan this week, that kind of stuff, um, or this week's game plan last week. You can't do that kind of stuff. So it is a real test for Sark. And now you got the injury to the quarterback situation. So that also throws a lot of uncertainty into the mix. So I am not going to the game overconfident at all. I think you're going to get a dogfight from BYU early on. I think they're going to throw out something at Texas they haven't seen on film. That's going to con- they're going to try to confuse and rush and try to turn a young quarterback into an indecisive bad decision maker, which young quarterbacks tend to be on their own, but they're going to try to rush his clock anyway. So they're going to blitz him. They're going to throw a lot of weird uh, you know, exotic looks in terms of their zone coverage at him. Why not? Because he's a young quarterback. He's only seen eight. He's only throwing eight passes. Hadn't seen a lot of action. So I'm not that overconfident, actually. I just think this, this team has good football character, and they're going to find a way to win. And I, I trust the coaching staff. Maybe I shouldn't. Well, maybe you shouldn't, but uh, they found a way to win it last week. We'll find out tomorrow when I'll be watching Malik Murphy. Let me mention we got a ton of texts in and messages on this Michigan debate we were having uh, how bad this thing is getting. It says, guys, Michigan is lucky the FBI is looking into this, and they haven't been visited by representatives of the Gambino family. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. What a uh, horse, horse hit in, in says, Jim Harbaugh's bed. It says, fellas, <laughs> what if we find out that people in, in, in the know about this Michigan thing actually place bets on those South Carolina games? We're not – we're now boarding on the edge of game fixing, uh, potentially. Well, that's one to watch. Now that is that's yeah, that's a slippery slope. But and that's why Vegas is considering taking Michigan off the board. Yeah. They created a lot of what they believe through their their research and their 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 line makers and their algorithms of what an honest line is. Right now, it's hard to put an honest line on Michigan. Yeah, you're right it about appears. that. Because they've been so dominant, and now we may have a reason for the 20, dominance. 23 and 11. They, <laughs> yeah. they can't get Michigan right. Yeah. Uh, it says, do offenses huddle anymore? No. Most of them don't. And this is where this comes from, right? Check we, with me on the yeah, sidelines. check with me. This is where yeah. this comes from is a team goes to the like, – like if you have the, the headset communication, Rod, you heard Matt Rule say this. Mm-hmm. You give the quarterback three plays, and when you get to the line of scrimmage – He knows. You say go to play three. If the safety is, is a single high safety, we do this. Two high safety, we're going to do this. And the coordinator can tell him that in his head, headset. 
hey, we're going to play three or we're going to play two. Yeah, you cut it off at a certain time. You cut yeah, it off you, with 20 yeah, was, seconds left or whatever That's it is. right. I think yeah, it's yeah, 10 yeah. or 15 yeah, seconds. Whatever it is. So, yeah. okay, you got the look. All right, we're going to play two. Play two. Check to two. Uh, but no one else can see that and no one else can hear that. Mm-hmm. When you do the signs, you're doing the exact same thing. You're telling the quarterback or the middle linebacker, whoever does your defensive signals, you know, check with me. Okay, check into this, check into that. Um, if you're able to, to – that's where the argument is. And can I play this for you, James Franklin, again? This is James Franklin, uh, who, again, coaches haven't gone after Michigan yet. They're kind of watching this thing play out. But here's James Franklin, who has not played Michigan yet this year, but has played them in, in recent years, every year in the Big Ten. And here's what James Franklin said when asked about this situation with, uh, with the folks in Ann Arbor. Won't get into, you know, what's going on at that other school and, and, and the things that are going on. I probably won't get into that. But what happens is – you get to after games and you feel like you called a very unpredictable call call in a circ- situation and they're in the perfect defense for it. And you're sitting there saying, well, how's that? What, what would ever make you play cover two on fourth and one and we're in a heavy personnel group? But they're in it and you got a shot called there. You know, those things kind of make you kind of second guess and you kind of go back and look at those things and what you need to do to disguise it. And and um, if it happens once, that's one thing. But if it happens over and over, then then you're aware of it. But obviously, with some of the things that are going on right now, it it magnifies it. Breaking tendency ultimately like the way I'm going to do here and then these guys being aligned perfectly with the perfect defense. And that's why, and Matt Rogers always tell me, you know, the coaches behind the scenes, they know who's cheating. They just don't have evidence of it. But they know who's cheating because the players tell them and other coaches actually tell them too. They get heads up from other coaches. And it seems like this systematic, sophisticated operation of sign stealing was known by other coaches, even in other conferences, they just didn't have the evidence to back it up, but they knew yeah. whether gut feeling or because of what, uh, you know, Coach uh, Franklin's talking about right there. Yeah, they had to know. And yeah. that goes, you can take that back to the baseball sign stealing, right? Because yeah, the coaches will say, we still got to stop it or you still got to execute it. You do, you got to hit it. You still got to ball, but it, yeah. it helps a major league hitter to know if it's going to be a breaking Curve pitch ball. or a fastball. <laughs> yeah, because if you're playing a guy that throws 90 mile, 100 miles an hour, you're sitting on fastball, which is why the, the breaking pitch and the off-speed mm-hmm. stuff is so effective. But if you know by trash can beats that it's uh, it's the it's the yeah. breaking ball or it's the fastball, you think, can sit on it. Think about play action pass. If it, the whole point of play action pass is deception. Yeah. If you know that the play there's going to be a pass off the play action pass and not a run, hell, man, you got that's most of the play. You got the advantage right there as a defense. It's like don't react to the the run fake. It's going to be a pass. Hell, man, that right there in itself is a huge advantage. So yeah, it's it's a big advantage as a defender. I mean, that's no doubt. If you know. If it, even if you just know if it's going to be a pass or a run. It's well, a huge they, what James Franklin just said is we were in heavy package on a short third or fourth and short. Everything said run. And we're going shot. <laughs> Everything said run. And all of a sudden they're dropping into cover two. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, don't you know? If they we didn't even, our play bag didn't do anything to that. That <laughs> exactly seems right. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to the headlines, the other top stories of the morning uh, as we get this thing cranked up. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment, our buddy Brandon Mars and his team bringing you the top stories, and it is Texas, no surprise, but confirmation yesterday from head coach Steve Sarkeesian that Texas will go with redshirt freshman Malik Murphy as their starting quarterback when they play BYU tomorrow. Uh, of course, Quinn Ewers dealing with that week-to-week right shoulder injury, they still call it. Uh, it'll be Murphy's, Murphy's first career start. Arch Manning will serve as the backup. Steve Sarkeesian, though, pleased with what he's seen from Murphy this week in practice. 
I would say today was Malik's best practice since he's been here, and uh, that's a good that's a good thing for us. That as the week's gone on, his game has elevated, his understanding of the game plan has elevated, his comfort level of managing all the things we do at the line of scrimmage has elevated, and I think his confidence has elevated because of it. And, and he had a really good practice today. All right, we'll see if that can carry into the game tomorrow. 2.30, Coach Sark also said uh, as far as the injuries go, uh, Ryan Watson, Gavin Holmes, the cornerbacks look like they're good. Defensive lineman Jet Bush and uh, Alfred Collins also, Alfred Collins will also be available. Uh, it looks like they'll judge it at game time. Safety Jalen Catalan, defensive end Ethan Burke likely out tomorrow. NFL, Josh Allen led the Bills to a 24-18 win over Tampa on Thursday Night Football to open up week eight. How about Allen, 324 through the air, two touchdowns, also ran for 41 more and a, and a score. Bills are five and three, Bucks are three and four. Full slate of NFL on Sunday, Cowboys and Texans both off bye weeks. Dallas will host the Rams at noon. Sunday in Arlington, Texans are at Carolina noon. Carolina, of course, 0 and 6. Thursday night high school football last night. Big win for the Westwood Warriors. Held off Maynard 28-21. They're inching towards another playoff berth. McCallum is in the playoffs for the eighth straight year. They beat Travis. Crockett blew out Northeast and Pflugerville. Held on for a win over Rouse. NBA, what a debut for Damian Lillard in Milwaukee. Uh, Damian was absolutely on fire last night. 439 points as they beat the 76ers. Uh, he's great debut there also last night. Despite 39-11 and from Kevin Durant, the Lakers beat the Suns 100-95. And then... Volleyball, impressive comeback win for the fifth-ranked Texas volleyball team. They rallied from an 0-2 hole to beat 20th-ranked Baylor at Gregory Gym in five sets. Bears and Horns will score off again tonight at Gregory Gym. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Uh, we're going to go behind the burn on curtain here from Steve Sarkeesian talking about the quarterbacks. Also, he addressed the injuries, too. Um, so we'll hear from Sark at his media availability. Well, actually, I think it was a Zoom, a media Zoom call. Uh, but we'll hear from him from yesterday uh, coming up behind the burn on curtain. But just really quickly talking about the, uh, the World Series tonight, shout out to the Rangers because the uh, Rangers are, I'm sure, excited. About no uh, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I can do it. Uh, I, I but, just think about Nolan Ryan when I do. Yeah, there you like go. Grunt like grunt like he did. Can, can you do Like I, 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 I just. I'm not doing. As it. a Rangers fan, I feel kind of weird about you rooting for the Rangers. I, I, it's okay. I, I, you I, don't pre- know me long enough. I, I have. I've always been a. Uh, I'm an Astros <laughs> fan. That is not deniable. But you didn't know me when when. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the oh. owner, the Rangers were owned by Nolan Ryan, and I was okay. uh, openly rooting for the Rangers and going to spring training in Surprise, Arizona, oh. uh, on four different occasions. So receipts, uh, receipts. Yeah, time. I have the receipts from the past year of you talking trash to me every single day. Well, now my team's it. not playing, and your team beat my team. And tip of the cap, and I can root for the Rangers. I'm rooting for Texas. I feel like right, you're just man. doing this just to make me mad. <laughs> Oh, if it makes you mad, that's an added bonus. That oh, is. Okay. You shouldn't even told him that, time. You let him know it. That's an added bonus. No, he knows it. He knows what he's doing. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, telling you. No, he's just rooting for the Rangers. That is great. You think I'm going to root for the Diamondbacks tonight? Come on now, man. I might have rooted for the Phillies if the Phillies made it because I told you. I have family, family interests, but I'm rooting for Texas. I agree. I'm, root, honestly, I'm kind of just rooting for the rivalry uh, overall. Because uh, I, I do think if the Rangers, and I'm rooting for them to win, if the Rangers win the World Series, that rivalry will be ratcheted up to a different level. Well, and it's good for the state of Texas. It's oh, good for man. baseball. Uh, it's, you know, gosh, I root for those guys that all came through Round Rock on the Rangers team, so many of them at the Round Rock Express. Uh, and, yeah, I've been out to Surprise Arizona and that great complex they share with the Royals many times. Uh, so it's, I, don't, I, don't hate the Roy- I don't hate the Rangers. I hate Ty and the way he talks about the Rangers, but I hate, don't hate the Rangers. <laughs> you don't hate the Rangers the way Ty hates Jose Altuve. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, but I, just real quick, this little stat about uh, the Rangers. And I think it, hopefully this does not come back to haunt them, but this is why 
them getting off to a fast start, which they have been doing, scoring first is crucial and important. And even you said this, E, uh, yesterday when we were looking at Gene Watson, um, you guys, and you've said this before, going up against that D-back squad, you don't want to play from behind D-backs. That's the Phillies. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a dangerous And the Dodgers proposition. and the Brewers. <laughs> yeah, you want to get up on them, and you want to put some pressure on them. Here's the stat, uh, and Ty knows this too well. And this actually is a testament to the Rangers because it's actually hard to make the World Series with these kinds of stats. The Rangers, they blew 33 saves. That was yeah. in the regular season. But remember, they were streaky. So it, a different season altogether in the postseason. They're a different team right now. But they went 2-52 and 52 when trailing after seven innings. 1-58 and 58 when trailing after eight innings. Yeah, they don't want to be behind with the the, the, the D backs. Yeah. They're not they're not at their best. Well, they haven't been at their best when they play from behind either. It's and it's a challenge I think for the Rangers because they go from being the hunter all the way through this American League run to being the hunted. Right? They they had yeah. a visceral desire to beat the Astros, yeah. and you know they were they they were mad at themselves that they didn't win the division. They had to go on the road, but they used that as a as a rallying cry. Now they're at home. They have home field, and they're playing an 84-win team that I don't think they'll underestimate them, but you don't know them like you knew the Astros, obviously, and the knowledge of those players. And the thing about the Diamondbacks, that'll, that'll, and the Phillies found this out, the Phillies are a better team, player for player, you know, up and down the roster. But the Phillies, I mean, the Diamondbacks do not try to hit home runs. They, they put the ball in play, Rod, and they run. Which is, yeah. They have more stolen bases in this postseason than every other team combined. It's a crazy stat. So they'll, they'll test your running game. They'll test your catcher. Uh, and they don't, they're not trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. They're uh, trying to you're not trying generate to, offense and generate runs. Generate, yeah. put play runners in motion. Yeah. And once they get a couple runs on the board and you look up, I'm like, well, how did they get four runs? I don't like, you know, walk, walk, stolen base, single. So it's old a lot school of pressure, baseball. And put a lot of pressure on the pitcher. Yeah, and then clutch and the catchers, yeah. Uh, so a lot of pressure there, and it's a different style than you saw. I mean, the Orioles are a, you know, bash it around team. The Astros are a hit it out of the ballpark team for the most part. And this is not that. And, you know, the Rangers could handle it just fine, but it's a different – it's a, it's a put-the-ball-and-play old-school style that, unfortunately, for the Phillies and the Brewers and the Dodgers, they've gotten hot at the right time. They've put it all together with the right bullpen mix. Some of, the, some of their hitters have gotten it right at the right time. And Cattell Marte has been outstanding. He's been their MVP on the offensive side. Uh, I, I found it really interesting that uh, yesterday when we talked to Gene Watson, he said Corbin Carroll, who's going to be the rookie of the year in the National League, he said, "This guy will. This this player will win multiple MVP awards." Wow, I thought he was going to say batting titles when he said that, which that could be true yeah, too. But MVP. Corbin Carroll, he said, a, you know, he's out of the Great Northwest as a high school player, and that's what the. I mean, the Rangers are more talented again, player for player, because they've done it through the draft with guys like Evan Carter and Josh Young, and uh, really talented farm system, Leody Tavares, mm-hmm. and the international signing. Then they've added free agents, yeah, and they've made Big trades. Time ones, yeah, Arizona's all through the draft. These are all, you know, a couple of free agents that could tell Marte and bringing in some key veteran players. They're all draft guys. Uh, this will be fun. This will be a fun ball game. And it, it, I love what Gino said yesterday when I asked him about it because both of these squads were 100, you had 100 lost teams, 100 lost teams two years ago. Yeah. And they both end up in the World Series this year. It's the first time uh, you've had uh, both teams be 100 lost teams uh, and make the World Series within a two-year span. Crazy. It's never happened before. And I asked him, like, hey, is this maybe a sign of things to come in baseball or is this an outlier? And I think he clearly said it was an, this is an outlier. Yeah. Uh, but they, he said what's, what's interesting to pay attention to is that they both did it in different ways. They got here. They got to the World Series. Um, both from, you know, probably the, the, the gutter pretty much, 100 lost teams two years ago. But the Rangers did it by almost any means to acquire talent and spending big money in free agency. 
but that's not the way the D-backs did it. Well, they went we, through we the talked, draft. You, know, you, you talked a lot during the year that the Rangers are ahead of schedule, and I was like, eh, if they stay healthy, they're pretty much on par with anybody, uh, and the health was going to be the factor. And then they lost Jacob DeGrom, but then they added Max Scherzer and Jordan Hamilton, so they had the talent to make a run, and they got healthy – their healthiest at the right time when Josh Young came back and Evan Carter joined the lineup and all those things. Uh, this Diamondback seems way ahead of schedule, mm. way ahead of yeah. schedule to be here. And that's why if you're the Rangers, you can't give him belief. Nathan Evaldi needs to be big tonight. He's going for that record we mentioned. Think about this. This is baseball immortality, Rod. If he wins tonight as a starting pitcher, he'll be the first pitcher ever to win five starts or win five games uh, in a postseason run as only a starter. Uh, the name's Randy Johnson. Uh, Steven Strasburg have won five games in a postseason run, but each one of those guys had a had a bullpen appearance that mm-hmm. helped them get a win. This would be five five for five as a starter. Never been done. He can do that tonight. Uh, also, Rod, real quick, out of the headlines, the NBA last night, Dame Lillard was phenomenal. Uh, I think the, the world's going to get to see one of the best players in the game that's been playing up in the great Northwest, kind of in obscurity for a while now. Yep. Uh, great player. 39 points, uh, and what a team they're going to be. That's, that's, that's two of the best players in the game. It's like having Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, right, in their prime. Well, now you got Dame Lillard and, and Giannis. Yeah. Crazy. Can I play you something, though, that yeah. w- w- happened not the night before? So before the Nuggets played the uh, Lakers a couple nights ago, they did a tip-off special on TNT with Charles Barkley and all the guys, and they had the commissioner, Adam Silver, there to kind of tip off the season and talk about the, the new, league, new season and all that stuff. Okay. Listen to Charles Barkley. And I, this is what people love about Barkley. He's controversial sometimes, but listen to what he said while the commissioner is sitting there, and they're talking about these new rules about, you know, you got to play in these games, guys. We need you out there mm, playing. Yeah, we're going to fine you. The load management. Load management's got to be a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Our, we're losing regular season fans. Our yeah. TV partners are not happy. It's true. Here's Charles just speaking the truth. Well, let me say this: another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm talking to the players, man. Forget the ownership. Forget the fans. As a player, if you're going to make $50, $60 million a year to play basketball three or four days a week, play basketball, man. Now, if you're injured, if you're injured, don't play. But everybody hurts after the first two weeks of the season. Your, Your legs sore, your knees sore. If you're injured, I don't want you to play. But the notion that Number one, bless these guys. You're making 30, 40, 50 million dollars to play basketball four days a week. Y'all got the best shoes. You got the best medical staff. You got these guys sleeping in chambers. You got ice baths. Man, if you can play, shut the hell up and play. There you go. There you go, Charles. Right, man, it's, it's, it is really interesting because I'm, I'm sure that maybe now we're, we're in the middle of it so you can't do an exhaustive kind of deep dive study about it even analytically research it i want to see the injury rates based on playing time back in the day like i'm talking about i guess pre when did load match become a thing that's still pre-2000 spurs really i think yeah i know the pop right so let's go pre-2000 the heatles into the into the pop era yeah so let's go pre-2000 i love to see the injury rates uh compared to playing time and 
you know, positions and all that stuff, broken right. down analytically, and then look at it compared to that the new era, the last 20 year, 23 years or so, and see if the injury rates actually were lower back then when guys were playing more basketball in a more physical brand of basketball because it seems like even with the load management, the more of the stars are actually hurt right. well, that's than what, it used to right be. Right before Charles Barkley said that, Adam Silver, Adam Silver made that exact point. And he said, we instituted the rules because, you know, we're going to force guys on to play when they're getting hurt. But we looked at the numbers that you just said. They, the league looked into it. I they, know they, they have. They, they, they did the, the deep numbers. dive, and yeah. they said, look, this load manager thinks one thing, but we're, we're, we're suffering more injuries. They're not fresher come playoff time. No. Uh, they're not all the things that we were told that, that that's why we're doing this. And then Barkley, of course, comes from the, the, the 80s, 90s era where it's like, oh, man. Well, you play 82 games. And you play through pain. You play through bumps, yeah. bruises. You know, so yeah, that's what and your we job. Were, we weren't making – I mean, what's, uh, what's, what's the guy with the, uh, the cell? Who's making like $60 million this year? This year. Uh, you know, he's on a super max contract now. He's going to be no. Jalen Brown. Get out there Jaylen and play. Brown. Get out there and play. Yeah. Which, no, and, and so any crazy. player, and that uh, props to Barkley Adam, Adam, and Adam Silver, they're just saying what the fans have been saying for years now. Come on, man. I show up, I buy tickets for my, for my kids. We're going to come see one game a year, and you don't play? That's the thing that really upsets you because most, if you're an NBA fan, you look at the schedule and you go, all right, I can go to these games. And I I don't, I'm sure most people out there, it's disposable income for them, all right? They're not super rich or wealthy. And if some of you are, then great. But for most of us, and I've done this before, you look at the games, you go, all right, I want to see these stars. I got, this works with my schedule. I can get off this day. I can go down there early. All right, this is the game. And you work, you basically pick one game. You pick like one or two games a year, but you, you know, you build your whole schedule around your work schedule, spend the money on those tickets, which are expensive. You're probably trying to get the best tickets you can get. You don't go to a lot of games. And then you learn, Oh, so Kawhi's not going to play? Oh, so no LeBron? Really? So he's out? You go down there and see a G League team. You're like, wait a second. (laughs) It's like, come on, man. (laughs) Well, and and again, let's also not forget that the the teams sell, when they play the bigger games, the bigger matchups, the LeBrons come to town or the Mavericks Mm -hmm. are playing the Spurs, those tickets are more expensive than when the Hawks are in town. Yeah. They super price them. Yeah, and that's because the one I want to go to. They know that. I'm not trying to go see the Hawks. Well, then your dude's got to be out there. The guys I'm coming to see. Uh, and that's what the league's trying to do. It took them probably too long. Good and I agree them. with Charles Barkley. Quit belly aching and play. Uh, all right, go Rangers uh, tonight. Tie them make time add this one. Now that I know it was really under his skin, uh, we'll keep saying that. Uh, also, the uh, the Longhorns playing BYU tomorrow. Rod's got yes, uh, some good stuff behind the burn orange curtain. Sark uh, talking about his game plan. Malik Murphy's great week of practice. We're doing that next here on Hug 'Em Up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I need to watch the game. <laughs> Appreciate all the uh, contributions of yours on the text line. It's uh, good stuff, too. A lot of good topics today. The Michigan situation continuing to evolve in a big way. Great Not topics. good for Michigan. Also, uh, load management in the NBA. Charles Barkley's comments. Rangers. A lot of people weighing in on uh, should you root for the state and not just uh, your team. Uh, I'm rooting for the rivalry to be specific. And I do root for the state, and I know that's annoying to you guys because sometimes I end up rooting for, like, some of y'all's rivals, like A&M or something like that. I get that. And I've rooted for the conference, too, when they play a big-time opponent from another conference. I get that. That also annoys people. But that's from, that's from my job because my job, I need storylines, and those are great storylines. Oh, but man. I'm rooting for the rivalry specifically here because I think the rivalry has a chance to do something special and go back-to-back championships in a rivalry. 
Yeah, that's and that's now the rare. Astros are trying to chase the Rangers. Now they already are, but if they yeah. don't win the championship, it'll be lesser than for the Texas Rangers. If they win it, and now the Astros is about let's take it back from them. Oh, man, it's going to be an arms race. Yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff. And their entire offseason, both sides. I mean, the Rangers have been made – they've made no secret that they're – you know, Chris Young, since he came back and took over as the team general manager, is to catch the Astros. I love that. And now the Astros' job with Jim Crane, who said goodbye to Dusty Baker yesterday in a nice ceremony down at a press conference down in Houston. Uh, Dusty said he still wants to stay in baseball somehow. And, is he going to uh, do analyst work? Uh, that's what Gene uh, thought he Gene would thought he was going straight to TV, and he'd be great on television in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, but maybe working in the league office, you know, somewhere in that realm. But um, – Dusty was great yesterday. He's such a great storyteller. But uh, Jim Crane, the well, no, did say we want to work fast. We want to get our manager in place. So that means it would tell me they got a pretty quick, quick list of who they're looking at. Yep. Um, one name that did percolate I didn't mention yesterday because Joe Espada, their current bench coach, would be a natural. He knows that locker room. Gene liked that hire a lot. Um, there's also going to be talk of the Rangers bench coach, uh, Will Venables. Ooh, an insider. Somebody who knows yes. exactly. Oh, that's big. I like that. Uh, and there's Brad Ausmus, who's, a, you know, Jeff Bagwell had his way, and Jeff Bagwell does have the ear of Jim Crane, the he's, owner. He's, he's got some pull. Uh, Brad Ausmus, who was a catcher for the Astros for a long time and has managed a couple spots. And the name A.J. Hinch. Somehow there's – I don't know. To come that, back? What? Yeah, to come back. Like he's served a suspension. His punishment's always in Detroit languishing. And that Jim Crane – you know, still likes him some A.J. Hinch. I don't know. That that name is out more from fans. I don't think Jim, Jim Crane was, at the end of the day, because Astro fans are now concerned that Jim Crane's becoming too involved. But if you look at the numbers, this, this is not Jerry Jones. He let Jeff Luno run the team and got burned by it. Yeah. Uh, he got burned by it. Hmm. Uh, and Luno with the science-stealing thing, and he, he didn't know anything about it. And Crane was like, no, that's not ever happened again. I'm getting more involved in this thing, not less. Uh, uh, I should have known about that. It's one of those things, well, I, I should have known yeah. that it was going on. And he was, he was pretty pissed. So I don't know that uh, – and, of course, his team lost draft picks and his, you know, the brand took a hit. Uh, we know that. So he's now more involved. And whether that's good or bad, that's going to be the case now. Uh, but, you know, he – I don't think he would hire A.J. Hinch. I think he'd promote Joe Espada. Yeah. Uh, or go after a Will Venables, but they did say they want to make it pretty quick. Uh, so we'll see. Oh, so they want to do it before they want to do it before probably the before the winter meetings. The winter meetings, okay, I got you. Uh, just so you have your manager in place when you start compiling a plan. They, yeah, these winter meetings where all the the beginnings of some trades and moves and free agents you want yeah. to attack are, are going to start, yeah. and that that comes right after the World Series is over. All right, let's get to uh, behind the burn orange curtain, Texas and BYU tomorrow at two thirty. And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind? That curtain. All right. Uh, Sark did a uh, Zoom call with the media yesterday. We've got a lot of uh, Sark cuts we're going to get into here. Uh, we'll play the Sark cuts talking about the quarterback position. Of course, that's what people uh, obviously most want to hear from Sark and how he is uh, getting Malik Murphy ready to play. And what about Arch Manning? Is Arch Manning going to play? Sark was asked about those uh, 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 those questions. He was asked about those uh, topics, and we'll get to uh, that sound. But first, let's address the injuries because this is a team that dealt with a ton of injuries in the U of H game. The defense became a mash unit pretty much. Uh, you had to bring uh, bring a player from off the bench who was dealing with an injury, injured Day Barron, <laughs> because you had so many injuries you had suffered in the secondary that you had to bring him off the bench. He didn't play in the first half, but played in the second half, just so uh, you could have have a way to win, have a player out there to defend uh, that passing game, which was just uh, eviscerating the Texas secondary. So anyway, getting back to the injuries, here is Sark when he was asked about uh, the injury update, who's going to be available for the Texas BYU game. I don't know what all those words mean. <laughs> 
they, what I do they, know is that I think all those guys will be available. I, I think that that's probably the best way for us to to state it. Um, sounds like you're reading off all the guys in the training room after the game Saturday uh, after 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 the Houston game. But you know, like I said, I credit our our training staff um, and and their, and their position coaches and uh, those those players individually for doing what they needed to do on an individual basis to to put themselves in position to be available. Um, naturally when Saturday rolls around, you know, a lot of those guys, I'm going to be monitoring closely, um, you know, whether it's in pregame as well as in game, um, to making sure that, that they're, uh, putting us as a team in the, in the best position to have some success. Um, but also, uh, for their own well being, to make sure that they're in position to, to play well and, and play good football. And, and then, then the things that we're asking of them to do, um, but, but naturally, you know, there's a, that's a, that's a decent list of guys right there. All right. So I think one of the biggest, um, uh, it moves that will be made, or at least one of the uh, biggest returns from the injury list for Texas will be Ryan Watts in the secondary. That's going to be big. We don't know about Jalen Catalan. I've heard nothing about Jalen Catalan. So I have no idea what's going on there, uh, but I have heard that Ryan Watts is expected to be back. And if that is the case, that'll be big for Texas, not only because they've had communication errors and communication issues uh, in the back end and a lot of things have been lost in translation uh, and in communication, but also he's a bigger corner. They have bigger receivers. Uh, Their receivers are – their top receivers are all probably 6'2 or taller, um, and they may decide to you know throw up some 50-50 balls if they get one-on-one man-to-man coverage, which I think they will get at times because Texas might, have, might try to get after Keaton Slovis. And why wouldn't you? Because he doesn't have the threat to run um, and escape the pocket and scramble as much as Donovan Smith or Dylan Gabriel uh, the last two games that you played. So they might try to light him up if they go blitz, and they blitz Donovan Smith, right, in those two turnovers. Texas was actually blitzing in those two turnovers they forced versus U of H. They actually were blitzing on that man Jack touchdown on that over route. They just lost blitz contained there. So you can see PK is starting to become a little bit more aggressive. I expect that to continue in this matchup versus BYU, but I expect them to be more effective at getting home. Um, all right, let's talk about quarterbacks. because That's what Sark uh, has been asked about the most in this media availability. He was asked about the confidence um, that he has in uh, the quarterbacks going forward and the confidence that quarterbacks themselves are gaining, especially with Malik Murphy making his first start. Uh, yeah, Malik's going to start Saturday. Um, I was going to say it in the opening, but I figured let's see how many questions I can get in before somebody kind of confirms it. So anyway, that was kind of fun. Uh, you know, Malik, yeah, Malik's going to start Saturday. Um, uh, you know, what did I learn Uh, that they, that they had the ability to continue to do what they've been doing and that's prepare really well. Um, I think again, they've got great rapport with coach Millie. Um, I think one thing that I probably learned, maybe a little more about, which I felt going in, is that they've got great rapport with their teammates. I think their teammates want these guys to play well, you know, if and or when their number's called. I think naturally all the players know, hey, Malik's making his first career start. We need to play well around him. You know, that's, that's, that's you know, that's naturally for anybody, there's going to be some excitement in his bones and in, in his veins to want to go play good. Let's make sure we play well around him. Um, but the rapport that those guys have with their teammates, I, I think is, is one that's, that's real. Um, I thought they both had good weeks of preparation. I'd say today, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago that that Arch arguably had his best practice since he's been here. I would say today was Malik's best practice since he's been here. And 
Uh, that's a good that's a good thing for us that as the week's gone on his game has elevated uh, his understanding of the game plan has elevated um, his comfort level uh, managing all the things we do at the line of scrimmage um, has elevated and I think his confidence has elevated because of it and, and he had a really good practice today all right there you go had his best practice so far you know guys around him starting to rally around the quarterback this happens. Uh, I was talking to Jeremy Hills about this. He was talking about when David Ash went down, straight Ash homie, and Case McCoy came in. Uh, what did Buck used to call him, the greatest American hero? When he came in and they got at the rally around him, uh, that is happening right now. And what and, – and, and what – this is why – we're in practice, and the second-string, third-string quarterbacks are going up against the first-team defense. They really get to know that guy. And that's why, hell, we knew V.Y. was going to be cold before y'all did because on the scout team, V.Y. was out there making plays. <laughs> All right, against one of the better defenses in, y'all up. in the country. And I'm like, man, this dude out here is working us out here making plays. So they know, and Malik Murphy's been doing the same thing. He's been sowing those seeds, been planting seeds uh, that, uh, that he's been cultivating uh, uh, with his teammates and, and cultivating that confidence with his teammates. And now they're about to return that. That, uh, with him by supporting him in this moment when he's got this opportunity. So really excited for Malik. That's really cool. Okay, so everybody wants to know, of course, um, about the offense. Is Sark going to stay aggressive uh, with Malik Murphy in there? Um, here's Sark when he was asked about the offense with Malik. Um, you know, I I try to recruit players to come here that, that fit our system. And I, I, I think for us, you know, systematically, I want to run – our plays and, and our schemes of exactly who we are. And if I didn't think those players were capable of, of doing that at, at any position, most notably quarterback, then they might not be the right fit for, for what we do. And so I think both Malik and Arch are great fits for, for us schematically. Um, again, everybody has their own strengths and, and weaknesses. And then our job is to try to play to their strengths. So we're going to run our stuff. Um, and again, you know, but, but tailor some things to what Malik does well. Um, but again, we, we, we've got a firm belief in, in who we are and what we do and why we do. And I think that's why sometimes in training camp and different things, we may have tough days at quarterback. Um, but that's because we put a lot on them and there's a lot of moving parts to, to what we do, but I have to do that in practice and in training camp and in spring ball so that they can get experience doing what I know we're going to want to do on game day. There you go. Uh, that's start talking about the offense, you know, how he's going to tailor it just a little bit for Malik, but it's going to be the, uh, the Sark offense. All right. Last cut here. Everybody wants to know what's up with Arch. When's Arch going to play? Is Arch going to get in the game? Sark was asked about it. Here's Steve Sarkeesian's response. Like I said, Malik's going to start the game and, and, and go play in this game. Uh, I haven't made a, a, a decision if, if I'm going to get Arch in there just to get him in there and or not. Um, but we, we have we have discussed that some um, because I do think there's some valuable experience for him in that. But I have to make sure that that's in the best interest of the team. Right. And I have to make sure that um, the, the team comes first in everything that we do. Um, but I do I do see the value in something like that. I just I just I'm not ready to make that make that call yet. You know, what? I love that answer by sorry, because how can you how can you predetermine when you're going to put him in. You have no idea what's going to happen to Malik, how the game's going to go, if it's going to you know, have a sizable lead, or if it's going to be really competitive going into the fourth quarter. You have no idea how it's going to look. So he wants to get him in there. He just doesn't know. Just doesn't know. Yeah, he'll prioritize it when he needs to. All right, coming back, we're going off the record. Rod, are you more concerned about the Texas offense or defense in this game? Defense. 
defense, actually, strangely enough. Because <laughs> I think it got Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter and the O-line. Every, every position on offense well, seems uh, to be good except for quarterback. You're just uncertain about it. It does feel like a favorable matchup for the defense because yeah. it's run base. But you mentioned the tall receivers. Every team is going to challenge the Texas secondary until they exactly. improve. Exactly. Every team. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's got to worry you a little bit. All right, or maybe a lot. We'll come back. We'll go off the record, including uh, – these are the stories you probably haven't heard yet, uh, and but you need to because we talk, we're talking about all weekend long. It's coming back. Hook them up. Off the record. D.D. Megadoodoo. I'm sorry. Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break my head cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, let's roll. It's off the record. Probably didn't know this, Rod Babers, on this uh, 27th of October. We're at 27th of October. We're rolling into the yeah. Halloween weekend because Halloween's next week. But right. also the trade deadline on Tuesday. We'll talk some NFL coming up. But uh, these are stories and off the record that you probably don't know, but that's why we tell them to you, mm-hmm. including this. You know, everybody has their Florida man stories. Yes, Florida man. Florida man. <laughs> the first ever Florida man games are set for February 24th in oh, St. No. Augustine, Florida. Okay. Events include beer belly sumo, <laughs> evading arrest obstacle course, and a race to see who can steal catalytic converters the fastest. That is not true. That is not real. That's real. That is not real. Come on, Florida man. They've embraced it, I guess. You know what? Commit to the bit. Florida man is now known nationwide. It's a Commit thing. to the bit. They got Florida woman now. I think now is also a thing where they find Category it. five cash grab is another category. <laughs> Weaponized pool noodle mud duel. There's got to be something to do with wild, crazy animals like wrestling a croc, wrestling an alligator, or you know, wrestling a python. There's got to be something like snake, snake catching. Mm, the festivities one was something called nine one one fight night brawl of the badges. Because <laughs> one of the keys with Florida man or Florida woman is they often end up uh, in these entangled with wildlife <laughs> somehow. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? like, uh, yeah, so, so there you go. Uh, wow. They have a mullet contest. Oh, you male know Male and female. Damn, Quinn, Quinn could have answered that one. Chicken that coop bingo, good, which is chicken crab bingo. Uh, There's a Florida ma'am beauty pageant. Oh, I like that. Florida ma'am. Okay. Tickets are 45 bucks or 145 for VIP. Go to Florida man, the Florida man games.com. I think it's going to be huge. I'm telling you, because Florida man's going to be all about that, man. To be the official Florida man, to win the Florida man games. The mullet. Wow. How about the pool noodle mud duel? <laughs> you ever play with the pool noodles? I don't even know what that is. I have no idea what that is. I mean, the description, I mean, it probably is, I don't know, self-explanatory, but I have no idea what that is. Uh, that's great. I like that. Uh, okay. Uh, here's a little off the record for you. I got two, well, I, got, I got three pieces of audio, but two of them go together. So Josh Allen last night. Uh, led the Buffalo Bills to a win over the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, the Baker Mayfield-led um, Bucks. But did you hear the uh, very unique audibles that the Buffalo Bills have implemented as of late? And this is a new thing because if it was something that was existed or they were doing in week one or earlier this season, I think it would have gone viral already. So apparently they have taken some of the most recognizable pop culture celebrities and turned them into straight-up audibles. Give us a little sample of this, Ty. J.R. Smith. That was J.R. Smith. <laughs> they got a Jared Smith. Well, that was Taylor some, Swift. That was Taylor. Oh, Swift. Oh, it's Taylor Swift. Taylor. Oh, Taylor. It's, Swift. It's quick. Yeah, he, yeah but I, I, I okay. Can, I can see him. I can see that being Taylor. Taylor Swift. And here's the other one. 
Uh oh, going LeBron here. Yeah. See what it is. This is a touch. Shaking your man off field. Blockers in front of him. This is where you. <laughs> Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner's one, too. So, yeah, they went Taylor Swift, LeBron James, Jamal Adams, and Bobby Wagner. So they also went with, obviously, some uh, some celebs in their own profession in the, in the NFL and in the sports world. But, yeah, you're getting some very creative. Remember, it was all about Omaha when Peyton Manning used to throw out Omaha and some very creative audibles. But Remember, Dak, Dak Prescott out of this. Here we go. Yeah, here, here we, we go. go. Was a big one. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't even doing? know. He didn't do it after that. We haven't heard it since. Has I he think been? It, it like went viral. Oh no, he still he, sports he, radio on Dallas. He still does it. They still I, do I, it. I noticed that it's just not as he. Sometimes it's a, it's a little bit more prominent than, than, than before. But yeah, he's weird. He still it's a, does it's a weird we snap count. Yeah, it's a weird way to snap the football. Here we go. But maybe that's the whole point. So you can't tee off on the snap count. You know what I mean? You can't time it. You can't find the rhythm to the quarterback because here we go. It's just weird. I don't know. And when do you snap it? On the, the go as I get to a second into go? I mean, so maybe that's why Dak does it. It's so unorthodox. Also a story you need into your weekend because uh, you should know not to do this. A 48-year-old man in Washington State facing charges after trying to pay a hooker $440 to service his miniature horse. Oh, what well, you underpaid her. I think if you'd have paid her more money, she obviously she's I mean, nothing against her profession, but she will do what you want, obviously within reason. She's but available. The the the, 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 do, the dollar amount has gotta be right. You paid her for and usually how is that not negotiated beforehand? Isn't that negotiated beforehand? Yeah, well. Don't here's you the negotiate problem. all that beforehand with a woman of the night? You should have should have hired well, E to do it. Yeah, no, let's not go there. <laughs> he uh, here's the problem. He was he was way too low. He he wanted her to service him <clears throat> and the horse. What? That's Ho- what it says here. Ho- hold up. What? Excuse me. There is a horse involved here. Yeah, the miniature horse. Oh, I thought she. Oh, oh, I missed. I missed. I. He definitely underpaid her then. It's a yeah. throuple. Had, had a different. 48-year-old oh, no. Washington State man named Jad. Jad. His name is Jad. J-A-D. First of all, the name is Shady and Jad creepy. Shipman. He's a Jad? J? Yes. J-A-D. J-H-A-D? Jad. Instead of Chad, he's a Jad? He mentioned after being arrested that <laughs> this, guy's up. this wasn't the first time. He said, I, the last two gals I asked noticeably were, it said they were, it was noticeably outside their comfort zone. Yeah. Oh, you mean bestiality? Yeah. Most people are opposed, adamantly and vehemently opposed to it. He made right. an offer online in a forum where people solicit prostitutes, offered to pay 440 no. to, quote, Dude. touch him and his miniature horse. Bro, you're on, you're on the wrong website. You need to go to the dark web for that. Now, you're on, the you, dark you, web. Tide knows to, where it's at. You, you can't just go to a regular dating site for that. You need to go to the dark web, and you might find somebody willing to do some of this stuff. But you've got to pay a lot more money than 440 well, is now he's getting the double dip here because he's being charged with prostitution, soliciting, and uh, animal abuse. He, he deserves, <laughs> you know what? And he deserves it. He deserves all those charges and more. That poor miniature horse. Attempted animal abuse. That, that, the horse probably would have liked it. I don't know. You know well, the horse is not giving consent for whatever he's got that horse doing. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. You sick mofo. See the stories you would not know elsewhere. Sick now you mofo. know. There's going to be a Florida Man Games in Florida. Was that guy in Florida? Where was he? What state no, was he in? Washington State. Oh, okay. All right. Living out there in the nether, Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thruple. Nice one, Ty. Mm. Uh, we'll come back. We have two hours to go. we got a lot to do, too. Uh, getting ready for Texas BYU, the college football weekend. Texans, Panthers, Cowboys, Rams. 
and the World Series. Game one tonight in Arlington. It's all part of Hook'em Up on a Friday.